0: This is African News Tonight on The Voice of America. Hello and welcome. Welcome to VOA Africa. Thank you for joining us. I'm Yehyee Suhib in Washington. Here's what's coming up on African News Tonight. One of the root causes of this fragmentation is actually a lack of cooperation. This in turn increases fragmentation in society and needs even more to short-term and self-serving policymaking. That's Klaus Schwab, founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum, on the need to bring people together. Details coming up also. A road crash in northern Senegal kills at least 20 people. China defends its lending practices. And Americans remember Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., These stories and more on African News tonight. We start with our top story. Had he lived, Martin Luther King Jr. would have been 94 years old this year. Even though his life was cut short by an assassin in 1968, he remains a testament to the ending impact he made during his short time on Earth. VOA's international multimedia journalist Ignatius Anor is standing by in downtown Washington, DC at the memorial that honors Martin Luther King Jr.'s legacy and the struggle for freedom, equality, and justice. Welcome to Africa News Tonight, Ignatius. Thank you very much, Ihayas. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Ignatius, it must be busy where you are right now. Describe to us the goings on at the memorial.
1: Indeed, yes, it's been a busy morning since uh, a little over 8am while we got here today. Uh, The scores of people have been pouring in. Early on, there was a special event held to commemorate uh, the day. It was held by the Memorial Foundation, and at that event, there were family members of the late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., one of his sons and his wife were present at the event, including the ambassador, Linda Thomas-Greenfield, who is the United States um, ambassador to the United Nations. And both of them extol the exemplary life of the late Dr. Martin uh, Luther King Jr. And as scores of people continue to pour into the memorial, they are not only reflecting about hope, but they continue to look forward to more progress that will essentially uh, deal with the racial and economic uh, division that continues to exist in the United States, something that the late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was passionate about. And it is an honor for me to speak to a Maryland resident who is part of the scores of people uh, who uh, have poured into this particular location, and he is fleek- Hey Hazel, thank you so much for joining us on African News tonight. So first, talk to me about what this particular day means to you as a Marylander.
2: Well, actually, as a Marylander, my, I attended Morehouse College, which is the same school that More, uh, Martin Luther King attended as well. And so to, to be a member of Morehouse College and also following his footsteps at Morehouse College, it means a lot to me to know that uh, I was able to attend a school that the great Martin Luther King attended. And then to see what he did, you know, going forward... Is just tremendous.
1: So you and I are standing right across to his memorial, and just on the other side is an inscription that says, "Out of a mountain of despair, a stone of hope, a stone of hope." Do you feel hopeful even after all that is going on and what is yet to come? Well,
2: you have to be hopeful. I mean, otherwise you're just giving up. And so although there are a lot of things, we've, we've made a lot of accomplishments. I mean, it's the fact that this m- memorial sits here, right here in Washington, D.C., right across the street from the memorial, um, Jefferson Memorial and the Lincoln Memorial, um, and Martin Luther King Memorial sits right here. Um, but then you, we also know that there are a lot of things that need to be done as we go forward. And if we lose hope, then we cannot continue on. So we we can't throw our hands up and act like nothing's going to happen. We have to feel like that we can and will, um, so to speak, in the words of Martin Luther King, overcome.
1: Thank you very much for your time. All right, so yes, yeah, yeah, that's a Flix Hazel there. He's a Maryland resident, one of the scores of people uh,
0: that continue to uh, pour into the Martin Luther King Memorial here in Washington, D.C. Uh, Ignatius, before I let you go, uh, the President of the United States, Joe Biden, ha- delivered uh, some remarks on Sunday at the Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, the church Dr. Martin Luther King served as pastor until his assassination in 1968. Is there any keynote address today from the President regarding the day?
1: Well, the President, uh, before even attending the church service at the invitation of Senator Wafel Warnock in Atlanta yesterday, issued a a proclamation on Friday, actually, uh, essentially speaking about the fact that Health, the health care of Americans, indeed uh, people of color, should not be uh, a privilege but a right for all people. He's been also critically mentioning one key bill that is before Congress as I speak to you. You do recall that the 117th Congress, the previous one, uh, had a bill that is called the John Lewis, um, the John Lewis. Voting Act Bill. Uh, Essentially, what the president wants is for Congress to pass that bill that would ensure that all citizens of the United States have a say and determine the direction of the country. That bill, unfortunately, could not come through because Republicans blocked it. He's made a passionate call to the 118th Congress that it is essential that that bill get to his desk for him to make sure that that becomes law. But as I speak to you, we do know that the House of representatives is controlled by the Republicans and the Democrats uh, continue to lead uh, the Senate. So we'll wait and see as to ha- whether his call will be heeded to by the 435 uh, Chimba.
0: VOA's international multimedia journalist Ignatius eno reporting from downtown Washington, D.C. at the memorial that honors Martin Luther King Jr. Thank you for your input, Ignatius.
1: Yeah, yeah, thank you very much for having me.
0: The International Labour Organization warns that the current global economic slowdown will force millions of workers to accept lower quality, poorly paid jobs. The ILO has published its World Employment and Social Outlook Trends 2023 report. Lisa Schlein reports from Geneva.
3: The outlook for the year ahead and beyond is not very promising. The International Labour Organization reports global unemployment will rise by 3 million for a total of 208 million this year, with similar projections for 2024. ILO Director of Work Quality, Manuela Tomé, says both the quantity and quality of jobs will deteriorate. She says working conditions are expected to worsen while wages go down. Workers in low- and middle-income countries uh, are expected to be um, hardest hit. And with the uh, pandemic uh, and the um, economic um, slowdown across the globe, their prospects of seeing a reduction in informality and and poverty um, uh, have uh, and will deteriorate it uh, further. The report warns the cost of living crisis will push more people into poverty, widening the gap between rich and poor. It notes about two billion people, mainly in developing countries, work in the informal economy. It says the slowing global economy is likely to reverse the progress which has been made since 2004 in moving people out of the informal sector. In addition to the millions of reported unemployed, the ILO says 473 million people last year stopped actively searching for work. It explains they either were discouraged about prospects of finding a job or had other obligations such as care responsibilities. For the first time since the 1970s, Tomei says stagflation conditions, that is high inflation and low growth combined, are threatening productivity and labor market recovery. The Ukrainian war, geopolitical tensions, disruption in supply chains, Uh, high inflation, Uh, the tightening of monetary policies and great uncertainty overall are all contributing to depressing the prospects for labor markets. The ILO reports young people aged 15 to 24 are facing severe difficulties in finding employment. It says they are three times more likely to be out of a job than adults. It adds young women are faring much worse than young men. It notes only 47.4% of women participate. Participated in the global labor force last year, compared with 72.3% for men. Lisa Schlein for VOA News, Geneva.
0: Rescue teams have saved 88 migrants adrift off the coast of Cape Verde. The French news agency, AFP, says the motorized boat carrying migrants from Senegal, the Gambia, Guinea-Bissau and Sierra Leone was spotted Saturday near the northern island of Boa Vista. The country's national press group, Infra Press, says two died and six have been hospitalized with dehydration. The boat is said to have left the Gambia 25 days before it ran out of fuel. Many more violent incidents linked to extremist groups occurred in Benin's north last year than the government has officially acknowledged. According to a recent report, the country has become the new front line in the Sahel conflict. In Natitingu, in northern Benin, reporter Henry Wilkins meets witnesses to attacks.
4: Violence linked to al-Qaeda and the Islamic State group is spilling over the border from Burkina Faso into northern Benin. Villages like this one are under threat. A resident from a village further north, who asked that his identity be protected to avoid reprisals from authorities, said he lives in fear. (laughs) Concerning security in my village, the atmosphere has not been the same for some time. We're all afraid because of what we hear, he told VOA. While terrorists have not yet come to his village for other residents of the border area, terrorist violence spilling over from Burkina Faso, Niger and Mali is already a fact of life. This man, who also asked that his identity be protected from authorities, says a group of terrorists were passing through his village and sought refuge in a woman's home. When she arrived back from the market and asked them to leave, they killed her. He says that terrorists hit her because she started screaming, because she was scared when she saw their guns. They told her to be quiet and ended up killing her, he added. Analysts say that extremist violence spreading from Burkina Faso into West African coastal states like Benin, Togo, Ghana and Ivory Coast is the next stage in the Sahel conflict. Benin appears to be being singled out, with more militant attacks in the second half of 2022 than other coastal nations, according to data from the Armed Conflict Location and Event Data Project. Asked whether the government has done enough to stop the spread of violence, Arnau Hoenu, a national security expert at Benin's University of Obome Kalavi, said, I personally think that little has been done, he says. The Beninese authorities may have been guilty of a blind wait-and-see attitude that cannot be explained. He adds that Benin could have imagined that the situation could degenerate and expand to the point of spilling over to the coastal borders, which is unfortunately what is happening. The Beninese government has sent large numbers of troops to the north to shore up security. Analysts say the military response is having an impact, but a recent report by the Klingendale Institute, a Netherlands-based think tank, found many more violent incidents occurred in Benin's north last year than the government has officially acknowledged. In 2022, one European journalist and several Beninese journalists were arrested while attempting to report on terrorism in the north. A consultancy that has been conducting workshops with communities in northern Benin to build resilience to violent extremism says many residents are too scared to talk about the issues. Annalise Bernard is with Strategic Stabilisation Advisors, a consultancy.
5: Many of the comments that we got in the research was everyone and anyone could be a terrorist right now. We have no idea who's who, but we're scared to talk about what we're seeing and what we're concerned about.
4: Benin's government did not respond to an interview request. Henry Wilkins for VOA News, Natatingu Benin.
0: The French news agency AFP reports that a road crash in northern Senegal killed at least 19 people and injured 25. The accident took place when a bus and truck collided near Sakal in the Luga region. A witness told RFM Radio that the truck had tried to dodge a donkey on the road. On January 8, two buses collided in the central region of Kafrin, killing 40 people and injuring more than 100 Observers blame the accidents on driver error, poor roads, and old vehicles. The government says it will strengthen road safety measures, including a move to limit buses and trucks to 90 kilometers per hour, ban night buses, and outlaw the import of used tires. It also wants to prohibit placing luggage on roof racks to prevent vehicles from becoming unbalanced. But bus companies have secured a one-year delay on the ban. You're listening to African News Tonight. I'm Yeheyes Wuhib in Washington. For more information on these and other stories from the continent, please see VOAAfrica.com. There you'll find all your favorite VOA radio and TV programs and a whole lot more. For world news, check out VOANews.com. Chinese Foreign Minister Shen Gong has defended China's loans to African nations, rejecting criticism that Beijing's lending deals put borrowers in a so-called debt trap. Maya Misekur reports from Addis Ababa, Ethiopia.
5: The Chinese Foreign Minister rejected the idea that China's loans to African nations can trap the countries in a cycle of debt. U.S. officials have repeatedly accused Beijing of predatory loans to African leaders for large projects. But speaking at the newly unveiled African Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in Addis Ababa, Chin Gang dismissed that notion. He asks which Chinese projects in Africa can be regarded as traps. Chin says African people have the greatest say and they can make the best decision. He says China's contribution is concrete in bettering the lives of African people. We don't accept the unreasonable label of debt trap. Critics say Chinese loans for big infrastructure projects like Kenya's controversial $5 billion railway are calculated for political influence, not sustainable repayment. China has repeatedly rejected the notion and points to its debt relief efforts in countries that struggled during the pandemic, such as Zambia, the first African country to default on its loans during COVID. The Chinese foreign minister on Wednesday said relevant parties should work together to take on their fair share of easing Africa's debt burden, adding, let's compete on who can contribute more to Africa. Chin made the comments at a press briefing in Ethiopia at the start of a five-nation tour of Africa that included the African Union headquarters in Addis Ababa. AU Chairman Musafaki also spoke at the briefing on the issue. He says Africa refuses to be an arena of exchange of influence. Faki says we are open to partnership and cooperation, but our interests and priorities must be respected. Their comments followed the inauguration of the first phase of the African CDC headquarters, which China funded. Ethiopian media reported Chin signed a deal to cancel some of Ethiopia's debts to China during his visit, but the amount agreed was not revealed. Chin is on his first trip to Africa since being appointed Chinese foreign minister in December after serving since 2021 as China's ambassador to the U.S. The foreign minister will also visit Angola, Gabon, Benin, and Egypt. Maya Misaker for VOA News, Addis Ababa, Ethiopia.
0: The French news agency AFP reports that the sarcophagus of Egyptian Pharaoh Ramses II is returning to Paris for the first time in almost 50 years. The sculpture depicts the king in bright colours with his arms crossed and holding his spectre. The stone casket is part of an exhibition from April 7th to September 6th. It was not included when the exhibit, which includes silver and gold jewels and amulets, was presented earlier in San Francisco and will not be included when it goes to Sydney, Australia. AFP says the loan is a goodwill gesture to France, where scientists preserved Ramses' mummy by treating it against fungus when it was exhibited in Paris in 1976. The exhibit will not include the body of the pharaoh, which is prevented by Egyptian law from leaving the country. A previous exhibit in 2019 at La Villette Exhibition Center in Paris, Egyptian pharaoh Tutankhamun, or King Tut, drew nearly one and a half million visitors. More than 2,700 world leaders will seek solutions for multiple global crises when they convene at the World Economic Forum's annual meeting in the posh Swiss alpine village of Davos this week. Lisa Schlein reports from Geneva.
3: This auspicious gathering includes 52 heads of state, leaders in business, finance, and culture, as well as humanitarians and members of civil society from 130 countries. More than 5,000 Swiss Army soldiers will be on hand to guarantee security and ensure any protests do not get out of hand. The theme of this year's meeting is cooperation in a fragmented world. After emerging from three years of pandemic isolation, delegates once again will be meeting in person. During the week, they will address critical political, economic, and social issues that demand urgent attention. Klaus Schwab is founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum. He says this personal interaction will create the necessary level of trust, to bring people together.
0: One of the root causes of this fragmentation is actually a lack of cooperation. This, in turn, increases fragmentation in society and leads even more to short-term and self-serving policymaking. It's a truly vicious circle.
3: Schwab says the erosion of trust between the government and business sectors must be stopped. He says cooperation must be reinforced and conditions for a strong and durable recovery created. Managing Director of the Forum, mirek Jusek, says world leaders will be encouraged to work together on such interconnected issues as energy, climate and nature. He says discussion on the economy and society will take center stage.
1: On the economy, we're going to be putting a lot of emphasis on infrastructure and particularly how do we make sure that the investments around infrastructure, particularly around clean energy infrastructure, how do we make sure that this leads to new growth, growth that is more inclusive and makes us more resilient um, in the future. Of course, we'll also be looking at social vulnerabilities that are stemming from these crises.
3: Dignitaries attending the meeting include German Chancellor Olaf Scholz, South Korean President Yoon Suk-yeol, South African President Cyril Ramaphosa and U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres. U.S. President Joe Biden will not be coming to Davos. However, U.S. Special Presidential Envoy for Climate John Kerry will be present. A high-level delegation from Ukraine is expected to come to Davos. Forum officials say their names are not being disclosed for security reasons. They say several sessions related to the war in Ukraine will be held. They add Russia is not expected to attend. Lisa Schlein for VOA News, Geneva.
0: UNESCO says the killings of journalists and media workers in 2022 surged 50% to reach 86 worldwide, marking one death every four days. The French news agency AFP says in the three previous years, killings had declined to an average of 58 deaths per year. UNESCO also found that no one was convicted in 86% of the cases. It says 44 of the journalists were killed in Latin America and the Caribbean. UNESCO says motives for the deaths include reprisals for reporting on organized crime, armed conflict, or the rise of extremism, and covering sensitive subjects including corruption, environmental crimes, abuse of power and protests, and three-quarters took place outside of full-scale conflicts. An Africa star musicians won continent-wide recognition at last weekend's All-Africa Music Awards in the outskirts of Dakar, Senegal. The Associated Press says the winners beat more than 380 entries in 38 categories, representing five regions in Africa as well as the diaspora. AP reports that Ivorian singer Didi B won Best Song of the Year for Tala, slang for a type of a dance. A video of the tune has been viewed over six million times in seven months on YouTube. The new service says other well-known singers were also recognized at the ceremony yesterday. The AFRIMA Awards aims to connect African musicians to global markets while embracing the continent's cultural diversity and heritage. And that wraps up this edition of African News Tonight. I'm Yehiaz Wuhib in what?